Welcome to the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast. I am Race for the Prize. You can find more information at raceforthprize.com. That's where you can get access to the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet. $30 for the month of February. Maybe that's too high for you. It's not. There's a lot of data. It's going to help you have more fun and win money playing Fantasy NASCAR. But maybe 12 bucks for Daytona Weekend, 12 bucks for Atlanta Weekend or Las Vegas Weekend. Give it a try, man. Venmo, PayPal, cash app the money over to me, and I will give you access. Today we're talking about dual race number two. Couple quick notes. Remember, I'm recording in my man cave if you are new. So the HVAC kicks on every once in a while. The sound is pretty rough. Sorry. Also, I record while walking on the treadmill. Sorry. I do not slouch over and sit at a computer all day. Can't do it. Gotta be moving. And you're just gonna have to deal with it. But I'm not gonna fall. I'm not going to apologize for being healthy. Anyway, so here we go. We're looking at dual number two. Uh, also, tons of dual content on my YouTube page that I've recorded. I'll put that up at raceforthprize.com later today. There are a lot of trends. I talked about them in the first video in terms of starting position, who actually scores fantasy points in the duel, and whether you should chase place differential or not. Don't forget about those trends. The thing that often happens is we do the homework, we do the research, and then we get into the actual race and start building, and we forget all the stuff that we we're doing. Or we forget all the rules or all the principles or guidelines, and then you go back, oh, we'll chase place differential. We went over this. We talked about how these guys – can score fantasy points, but they don't score fantasy points. I'll repeat that. Yes, they have the opportunity to really jam points into their place differential bucket in theory, and they can score finishing position points, which makes them look like ideal plays. But in reality, as we have seen year after year, these dual races play out. The statistics, the results do not match with your dreams. Yeah, they can get a top five, but they don't. Yeah, if they get a top five, they're also get a bunch of place differential, but they don't get a top five. It is not easy in a dual race to drive from 20th to 5th. Get it through your head. Watch the videos. Look at all the trends that I've gone over. Look at the spreadsheet. Mess around with it on your own. Real quickly, before we do some quick projections, right here, what this will say. How many drivers starting further back than the number in the yellow box still got a top six DFS score? So we're looking at eight years worth of duels, 16 races. And we're only saying like, hey, what about the guys starting from 11th to 21st? What about those drivers? How often do they end up with a top six and optimal dual race score? And the answer is only 10 times. It's only happened 10 times. We're talking about 96 roster spots and only 10 times for 10th back. Yeah, the driver's starting in the back. Yeah, there's a ton of place differential on the table, but they never get to it because of the way the race plays out. They simply just don't get to finish. All right, I'm not going to go too much further into that. Watch the other videos where I go over it, please. Let's dive into the projections. Michael McDowell. This is an interesting case. Typically, I say, hey, yeah, Michael McDowell could win this race. Michael McDowell looks good. But Michael McDowell is going to, if I had to bet, going to follow the Alex Bowman, Hendrick game plan of, I'm on the pole. Or, well, he's not on the pole. Logano is. But I'm the front row. That's good enough. Let's not jeopardize this. Maybe he doesn't completely go to the back. But he is not going to stay up front. He's going to protect. Front row motorsports going to protect their position. He's going to be a quick cross off for me. That opens the door to Austin Sendrick to stay up front, lead laps, get some Hulk points. As you can see, like how many Hulk points should I project? Those are dominator points. Those are laps, lead points. 
you can simply just go over to the previous dual races on the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet. You get RaceForPrize.com, and you can see this is actually a bit of an outlier. Kevin Harvick getting that many laps lead points. We'll look at another race. That's another pretty strong number. That's the maximum number of lead lap points in the race. But over here, we're going to see what is the maximum number, 6.75, 4 point, even though that's not – or um, actually – we're going the maximum amount of numbers in the optimal lineup. This guy actually doesn't end up in the optimal lineup. We look down here, maximum amount of lead points, eight and a half. We go to more recent years, and that number is significantly lower. You know, you got 2.93. We don't have a lot of points really on the board. Uh, I don't think you really need to worry about projecting it, but I will project it just to help the optimizer out a little bit. Give these guys at the front a couple points here or there just so that they kind of stay in play. William Byron can win as well. I imagine he's going to try to run well. Um, again, a lot of these bad results from Hendrick were protecting front row positions. He could slide to the back. I don't think he is going to. I believe he'll just stay up there and race in the front where it is much more safe. Had he secured a spot in the front row like Hendrick always does, yeah, I guarantee Byron goes to the back. That's not happening in this, I don't suggest. Kyle Busch, I think, wants to get some reps, and he'll try to win this race. And the races are winding down in his career. I'll also even give him two, you know, hog points. That might be low. Just boost him up a little bit. But he wants to go out there and run well. I think the Chevys are going to be strong. And, again, not very many races left in his career. This could be his last duel. I don't know. Why would he go out there and fall to the back? He's right there on the second row. I would tend to guess that he is going to go for it. Harrison Burton starting fifth. I thought he was starting further back. Oh, he's starting fifth, according to the sheet. Hey, how about that? He really is in fifth. All right, well, whatever. Um, yeah, he can finish fourth. Well, he finished fifth a couple years ago. Now, this is kind of a dangerous spot. We'll give him fourth. Actually, I don't. That's the hog projection. A fourth place finish. And you're going to want to look at the trends. We need drivers to actually finish inside the top seven. And a lot of people are not going to want to play Harrison Burton. He's starting too close to the front. You need to get that idea out of your head. That should not be a part of your vocabulary on Thursday night. Starting too close to the front. This is not a traditional plate race or super speedway. Too close to the front is a good thing. That means they can get a top finish because top finishes correlate with top six DFS scores. I'll go ahead and put that on the screen for you. What does this say? Their finish versus their DFS rank. And the driver that finishes first in all of the dual races at DraftKings has ended up in the optimal lineup. The driver that finishes the actual race in second in every one of the cases, the second place driver is in the optimal lineup. The driver that finishes the actual race in third in Duel 1 or Duel 2 from 2016 to 2023, always often. You can see drivers that finish inside the actual top six have a high rate of being optimal plays. We're not really chasing place differential. We'll take it. We're chasing finishing position. And when a driver starts fourth, they have a better chance of finishing up front. I can also give Riley Herbst a fourth. He ran really well last season in his plate race at Talladega. 
I'm going to boost Briscoe up because he's been pretty solid at the plate races the last couple years. Again, seventh to third, those are all on my board. And I feel like most of the field is going to fade these guys and stay away from them. And I think that is a mistake on their part. If we want to talk the DFS theory leverage game, which I don't get too much into, but if you want to, then that is the show right there. And we'll probably talk about it tonight. But we got to see what the sentiment is. I don't know if people have been watching my videos or going through the data and they're aware that this is the spot to go to, definitely for leverage, or if they're all still numbskulls and they're going to chase place differential in the back, although all the data suggests that that's just not going to happen. I don't know. Don't know how hip to the, the data the people are. I tell you, my video views aren't that high, so I'm going to assume they're going to be scared of these guys, whereas I have the equal and or, uh, opposite reaction and equal in my intensity no gregson clearly can get to fourth that's actually being pretty conservative ryan blaney you can look at the dfs finishes for him he likes to score fantasy points i mean in terms of average dfs score in a dual race he's number four of all dual racers it's pretty good and that's mainly because he finishes these duels inside the top five. Third, six, six, one. And as we just looked at the data, finishing position determines your DFS score. Depends, it determines if you're going to be a top six DFS play. He can win this thing outright. We'll be conservative and give him a second. He's top of the board, ownership through the roof. AJ Allmendinger, also think you're going to get a lot of ownership on him. This is that Goldilocks zone that we've talked about in previous podcasts. Please check those out. Daytona Duel 1, 5 to 15. But really, the sweet spots when we get to around 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, we see these guys pop a lot because they're close enough to the front that they can secure finishing position points. And they're also far enough back that they can secure place differential points. And they squeeze in as well. And they tend to pop off as solid DFS plays. But as you get further back, a lot of these guys just can't make it forward enough. So you have to decide how deep you want to go, how deep into the, the well you want to fish. Uh, Josh Berry will be conservative. We'll give him a sixth. But 43 fantasy points is right there at that top six cut line. Like, well, these guys project by more, but that doesn't mean they're going to hit their projection. If they fall back two or three spots and he hits his six. You know, if Blaney ends up in fifth, probably still is in the optimal lineup. But just because they're projected to get these points doesn't mean they're going to get them. Just because I got these guys, these guys definitely aren't all going to hit this. Probably two of them are going to fail. You can wipe them off the board. A couple of them are not going to make it. And in the end, his 43 is going to squeeze him in. It's going to be really tight for all the guys around five, six, seven, eight. And it's going to be determined by who squeezes enough finishing position out, who gets that extra step. Now, the good news is these guys have a little bit more wiggle room because they got a little bit more place differential, and they're not too far back that it's going to hurt them that much. These guys, if they just are slightly off their projection, they're losing some points, they're going down faster. They're a little bit riskier. These guys are a little bit safer. And everyone's going to know that, but I think we're going to, and it's only by a degree though. I believe that people are going to overemphasize that and go much heavier on the Goldilocks zone and play these guys because they are safer. But I wouldn't argue that 
I would argue that Harrison Burton has a better chance of going forward or maintaining position than Josh Berry does of getting his sixth projection. You can see Brad Kozlowski's been pretty good at the duels. He's picked up his plate racing chops a little bit more of late. Last year had a pretty good season at the plate tracks, as did Chris Busher. Um, he's now a guy to phone it in. Fifth is a pretty soft projection. He'll probably be pretty popular. David Reagan is, I believe, locked in. Here we've got Kaz Grala and BJ McCullough. No, he's not locked in. David Reagan has to race his way in. He will. He's got to beat BJ. He's got to beat Kaz. Not too worried about that. I don't think he's going to push it too much. I'll give him eighth. He's in a spot where it's close. It is really close. He's a good plate racer. Got that win at Talladega. 2013 for front row pushed by David Gilliland. It's had some pretty solid performances of late in terms of DFS. You might want to consider playing him. Um, Bubba Wallace is going to be super popular and as he should be. You can see his actual finishes. You can see his DFS output in this field. His average DFS score or uh, rank of fifth is the most fantasy points. So he scored the eighth most in his duel last year, seventh most, fifth, two, four, three. He likes to move up forward. I think Michael Jordan likes to move up forward. Even before then, when he was trying to make a name for himself, he was trying to always move forward. I think fifth is very fair. Bubba and Brad probably going to carry a lot of ownership. Maybe you go with Barry and Almanier with a little slightly less ownership, I'm assuming. All of them are really good plays. They're in that Goldilocks zone. Now we're starting to push toward the outer edges of – these guys are a little too far back to make their way to the front. That being said, Justin Haley and Bell have been really good super speedway racers over the last couple seasons. You know of Justin Haley in the Xfinity Series winning a lot. You may not know how good Christopher Bell has been at times at the super speedways. When we're talking about super speedway closers and making moves in the final 10 laps of the race, Christopher Bell is your guy. And what is this other than a 50-lap shootout making moves at the very end? I think Christopher Bell's going to go out there and really try to make some moves. And although we are on the tail end of the bell curve and we start to see drivers not really end up in the top six at this point because they're just too far back, these are guys that I think I could consider. I will give them sixes. They could go a little bit higher. Uh, it's just the way that these Toyotas played out. Now, you do have two Toyotas here that could work together that really could push the issue. I'll give Hamlin a five. We do have drivers starting in the back, and the rule tends to be that you really don't want to stack in the back too much. But I like Bell at a super speedway. I like Hamlin. Now, Hamlin may not even care, though. I'm actually going to dial that back because he's a guy that's notorious for when you get into these races, he just falls to the back of the pack when things get hairy. I don't think he really feels any sense of urge. Like, I need to get to the front in my dual race. It's a meaningless race. It doesn't really carry as much significance as it once did. It doesn't really mean anything to him. He is a car owner. He's invested. He doesn't want to see anything get torn up. He understands that perspective. I don't see him pushing it. Zane Smith drove from the back to the front last year. Um, I could see him doing that again. Uh, same thing we talked about in the first dual podcast. Spire would like to make a name for themselves. So I could see Zane Smith and Spire really trying to go out and show out. And it's a possibility. We've got to be careful because remember, when we look at the trends, 
The car starting 15th and further back is it four times they've ended up in a top six lineup. It's just the way that the numbers work. Again, we'll go back and repeat that. So Smith starting 18th. So let's see. How many times has a car starting 18th or worse ended up in the optimal lineup? And the answer is zero times. Sorry. Zero times has a car starting 18th or worse in a duel ended up with a top 60 FS score. Facts. I don't know what to tell you. So although I can project him for having a wonderful day, they just don't end up getting up there. I don't think Nemechek gets up there. doesn't score enough fantasy points. I don't see McCaw getting there. I don't see Kazgrala getting there. That's it. Run the optimizer. This is a quick one. I'll see you later today for the live show. I'll tinker with the projections throughout the day. Hope you enjoy the spreadsheet, raceforthepriz.com. Thanks for joining me. See you tonight, folks.